Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Belle. Belle, man, how you doing tonight? I am alive. <laughs> That's uh, But you know what? In the future, we're all dead. This is true. And there's only, uh, uh, I can't do math, a month in like some some days. days. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks in there. Yeah. No, Seven we got weeks. To- is that what Barry said? I don't remember. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the crisis is coming bell. This is very true. No, it, it's funny. I, uh, this is uh kind of jumping ahead here, but I did, uh, on, on arrow this week, or I guess it was actually the preview for next week's arrow. The, the ominous quote was in the future. We're all dead. And I, th- I thought about it and I thought, you know, regardless of crisis in the future, we are all dead. You know what I mean? Not, not to go all existential on you, but that's just a truthful statement, regardless of what happens at the crisis. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what, a, what an ominous note to start things off on, but appropriate as we enter into the Halloween season with a, uh, some scary villains and a lot going on on the flash, man. We got a great episode to talk to y'all about, but a couple of housekeeping items and one very big announcement. First of all, we would not be here without the support of our patrons over at patreoncom slash TV talk. Thank you so much to everybody who is supporting the show, making it happen, joining the discord, uh, being involved in the behind the scenes, finding out early announcements before anybody else. That's all going down. Uh, if you'd like to join and, uh, and help supporting the show, head over to patreoncom slash TV talk to do it. And bell. Can we tell them? Can we finally tell him? Let's do it. All right. So we kind of teased this out last week and, and I wanted to do it, but then bell pulled me back because we hadn't locked things in yet. And that was wise. And everything, everybody, I just want to say bell is a very smart man. Uh, Bell is a Wait, very so. I, I'm assuming this means that we do have stuff locked in. Yeah, no, it's it's locked down. Deposits are paid, and uh, <laughs> let's hope people actually show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are Flash TV Talk is hosting a live podcast recording slash house party slash watch party for the mid season finale Hank cliffhanger crossover event crisis on infinite earths that's right in austin texas we want y'all to uh to come out and have some fun get some food uh get some drinks watch the uh the i guess the the like i said the mid-season finale episode of crisis on infinite earths with us uh yeah and uh some details on that at tvtalk.fm again details at tvtalk.fm you'll see a banner for the house party uh and yeah if you're in the austin and surrounding areas you want to come out and uh, have a good time with us sit in on a live recording of uh, Flash TV Talk while we uh, really just kind of react almost immediately after the episode. Now, for everybody else, uh, great news. Even if you're not in the Austin area, you'll still be able to tune in live for the immediate reactions to that midseason uh, finale. So uh, you'll be able to do it, I believe, on Facebook. Everything should still work. I'll probably do some tests later on this week to make sure that we'll be able to do it that way. But regardless, uh, the event is happening. The house party is on. And again, details at tvtalk.fm. We hope that you can join us. It should be a blast. 
And who knows, Bell, we may never do this again. <laughs> well, I, whether or not we do it again, I, I, I don't know. But I can tell you this. This house is bitching. Oh, hey! Why didn't I use that He's, for the tagline? Oh, I know, I know. You're, missed oh. opportunity! Yeah, it just came to me. Well, here's I'm, the other thing, too, Bell. I thought about this, but this is our this is technically the episode before what will generally be our Grandma Esther's eggnog-induced Christmas Colin extravaganza. And so this is kind of a house party slash Christmas party. So there might be some nog. Hey, that'd be great. Yeah. You know how like I always eat those Christmas cookies at that that uh, on that episode and you never get any? Well, except for that one time that we sent you some. Yes. Does this mean I get Christmas cookies? Yeah, I'll bring you some Christmas cookies. You know what? I tell you what, my wife and my daughters, uh, they are like phenomenal at making Christmas cookies. We'll make them for everybody. It'll be it'll be a blast. So that's an added bonus to those who are able to attend. Again, details at uh, tvtalk.fm or flashtvtalk.com, whatever your preference may be. All right, man, we have got a creepy episode to talk about uh, this week. And <laughs> what could be more appropriate in the midst of Halloween? Are you ready for it, man? Let's do it. All right, let's jump into The Rundown. The, the Rundown. Rundown. Episode three of season six, Dead Man Running, directed by Sarah Boyd and story by Lauren Barnett and Thomas Pound. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, knowing that Crisis is only weeks away, Barry prepares the members of Team Flash with life without him while hunting a terrifying metahuman with an unquenchable thirst. Meanwhile, Ralph uncovers a family secret. Dun, dun, dun! All right, man. This, I feel like, was our first episode that we really got a chance to get to know Bloodwork. Um Yes. And all his creepy glory. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I wouldn't say that it was too terribly creepy until the the last scene of the episode, really. No, that's true. Although I do feel like they that throughout the season thus far, there's been an ominous tone to almost everything. You know, we mentioned it last week. I thought on Earth 3, everything was shot in a very ominous way. You didn't necessarily see it that way. But uh, here, when we're in Bloodworks Lab, I mean, like... I don't know. I just I got the ominous vibe. The lighting was there. The music was there. Even like if you take away even if you kept the lighting but took away the music, I feel like you could hit it with some like upbeat music and not necessarily feel the creep factor. But I can agree with that. And it's also extremely creepy every time that he says it's time to begin human trials. You know, it's <laughs> he says it in like such a creepy way. He's like, I've looked at this thing through a microscope and it looks pretty cool. I'm going to test it on humans. <laughs> it's like, whoa, 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 bud. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple steps you're just sort of jumping over there. But that's how um, you get supervillains, man. And superheroes. There's a couple of superheroes that that ends up happening with. But it does seem true. to be a, a fairly common supervillain uh, super trope. Just jump straight to those human trials. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and blood work is uh, no exception. You know, I actually liked the parallel that they drew here between uh, Barry and Bloodwork. I mean, both are scientists, uh, both have you know experienced death, but they both lost their mothers, and they're both uh, living kind of on borrowed time. In fact, I, I love that like Bloodwork could see that look in Barry and knew that he was like facing down his own death. Yeah, that was what was really neat to me is, is that, you know, yeah, he instantly saw it. Right. And uh, it was just kind of interesting where he was, you know, he talks to Barry and he's like, you have that same look in my mother's eyes the minute she like uh, uh, accepted it. Right. And, and, and I think Barry had a nice retort to that. We're saying, you know, maybe it's more courageous to uh, to stare down death in that way and not fight it and to accept it than it is to, you know, go on a hopeless battle that you're not going to win. Uh, and, and it was interesting and you could kind of see that line 
sort of impacting uh, a blood work there. And it didn't it didn't help enough, though, as we saw what happened at the end yeah. of the episode. But but yeah, that was a really they had a, a, a very similar perspective or a very similar uh, um crisis <laughs> that they've gone through, you know, with losing their mothers, but they came at it with different angles, you know? Um, and, and, and of course, blood work, even saying that, you know, uh, Barry was being very brave, uh, the way he's handling his imminent demise, which, huh. uh, which was, which was pretty neat. You know, so I think that the way they've structured things thus far, and especially in this episode really speaks to the pacing of this story arc. And then also just kind of the, the pacing of this first half of the season as a whole, you know, going in, we knew from what was announced at Comic-Con that they were splitting up this season into essentially two, uh, I guess technically three, if you really count Crisis as its own thing, uh, story arcs. So that the first half, we know that Bloodwork is kind of the big bad, but the, the second half, he might not even be in the picture anymore. And so we get kind of a rush to the relationships that generally take a few episodes to be established. For example... Here we get the introduction of Barry meeting Bloodwork. They become science bros. They do some science stuff. Then they contemplate becoming science foes and they kind of stare each other down and then they part ways. Like, I feel like every single one of those story beats were this to be, say, Dr. Alchemy or even like the thinker, we would have had an episode dedicated to each of those story beats. But here it happened all at once. And I couldn't be happier. I've, a, a long time, I've been an advocate of them trimming down either the, the number of episodes or cutting uh, uh, cutting the, the season into multiple story arcs. And it just it felt so good. Like like, oh man, I was so worried when uh, it's to kind of you know jump ahead here when when uh, you know Barry uh, and Iris talked about how they knew Barry had to die, and they're like, we're not going to tell Team Flash yet. I was like, oh no, oh no. And then they told him this episode. And so I was like, that's great. You know, normally it'd be like half a season where they don't tell them. Then everybody gets mad for like a couple episodes. And then they tell them when, the, you know, and, but we didn't have that here. We, we had a, uh, uh, what, what would have been, you know, a four episode long arc of them not telling them and all the drama that that causes condensed down into, you know, an episode. And it was wonderful. And the same thing with blood work here. Uh, we, we get to see this development and it didn't, it didn't feel rushed to me. I don't, I don't know. Uh, not at all. I mean, I don't mean to make that observation with any kind of criticism at all. Like I'm a hundred percent with you. Like it, it, I like this. This is a quick pacing. We're kind of jumping to the establishment. I mean, you know, we've had him. He's been sprinkled in, in the last two episodes, but now we finally get a chance to see his origin story and get the dynamics that he has with the team, including uh, Caitlin, or should I say Frost, which, by the way, uh, killer no more, Bell, or at least not in name only, <laughs> you know? <laughs> does, does it count, though? I mean, does she get to keep the Killer Frost name in your heart now that she's killed a dead guy? Well, so here's the thing. This is what I found <laughs> hilarious. Like, you know, she has that whole rebranding line. She's just going by Frost. And then as soon as she drops the Killer moniker, she starts trying to, like, off the dude immediately. <laughs> like, she basically, had he been not who he was, she would have killed him. And, of course, you know, she didn't know that that was the situation. So for all intents and purposes, she just tried to kill him. So well, the moniker, now she can kill. It makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it's more of a thing where she knew this was a metahuman and she wasn't, she, she figured that the metahuman would survive that. And like, had that been just a regular dude, ah, I don't feel as if she would have done the same thing. I think the main thing here is that she just doesn't care. Right? Like at the end of the day, she, she was being, 
mildly flippant with the extent of her powers. Yes, because Barry had to teach her something, and that's well, the only yeah. reason why that happened. <laughs> it wouldn't be a season of the Flash without a metahuman for Barry to teach, right? Like, there's this, always this true. there's always got to be that protege. Uh, and so, yeah, no, this season it's it's her, but that's okay because I I really like this exploration into who Frost is. I like um, even even the somewhat sappy, cheesy nature of I, I'll never get a chance to experience a birthday or the I only get to have a couple of the Baskin Robbins flavors. Yeah, I, it's it's dumb, but in a fun way. And again, I'm really really digging Frost. Yeah, and JT Lambert actually just took the words right out of my mouth in the chat, uh, where he writes, "Frost is going through teen rebellion," and I feel exactly <laughs> like that because, because yeah. yeah, you know, Caitlin's thirty or whatever, and Frost even mentions she's been alive for thirty years. She's never had a birthday, and it, it, she does feel very juvenile, right? She feels very much like a kid, uh, like a teenager who is, you know, just, they're not fully emotionally mature and developed yet, and so they have these kind of like you know rebellious sort of spurts to them. And I think that's neat. I think it's really, really cool to see, you know, because of Frost being uh, repressed, I guess, or, or suppressed, I think, however you want yeah, to say it. That's uh, good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she she seems you know more more juvenile like that, and I think we're gonna we're gonna see her develop over this season, and it's gonna be she's gonna be like you know you know fully realized uh, uh, character by the end of it. And I think that's gonna be awesome to see. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like it. Um, I still, you know, I know that you and I have differing opinions on where her character are going to end up, but for the moment, I've been, I'm enjoying it. I also really like her birthday bash. Uh, you know, you have DJ Snake Eye. <laughs> yeah, what was up with that? I mean, he is a known criminal, right? Yeah, but he's kind of he's kind of good, right? After last season, eh. no, I mean, kind of had like a redemption sort of thing, right? Okay, maybe? all right, maybe I don't know. I just immediately saw him and I was like, okay, so we're cool with Snake Eye now. I, he's like DJing par- parties at Star Labs, where all of like the super tech and the super weaponry is. But of course, you know, everybody can just walk in there. It's the easiest club. Uh, Central City's hottest club is uh, Star Labs. No it has cover. Everything. <laughs> Snake Eye DJs. Dark matter. <laughs> uh, and birthday girls so cold they'll kill you. Yeah, yeah. Now that was, but that was fun. It was a fun way to end a uh, a pretty wild episode. And you know, always great to see everybody dancing and, and having a good time, despite the uh, the immensity that that's being kind of discussed. You know, Killer Frost is, or rather, uh, Frost is uh, dealing with the the near end. Uh, the end of the universe and and so what that means for her but we also see ralph dealing with uh, some personal issues as well as uh his his mom mama dibney comes into the picture we learn that ralph had childhood issues so that's adorable yeah <laughs> and great acting by the way by i know ralph on this episode have i talked about how much i love ralph don't even start with no, me i'm not being dead serious man i'm really enjoying ralph a lot I know. I I see. I saw the potential from the get go. I was like, they're they're setting him up not because they don't know they want to write this this gross character. It's because they want to make Barry's impact on Ralph appear completely. Uh, you know, like like the impact there just to be huge, right? And it, and it really has been. Like Ralph Dibney when he first came around was garbage as a person. You know, and now he's completely turned around. He's just, he's you know he he is a a more sensitive, more um, uh, you know caring, and more concerned about other people. And 
and I, I love his transformation. Like I'm, I'm really enjoying Ralph. Uh, yeah. it's, it's been great. And no, so Ralph is a uh, Ralph is he's a beloved character now. And I, I, I will tell you this, man, seeing his mom and kind of getting a picture of his like backstory. It's like, oh, OK. I mean, like it doesn't make, you know, his his first season forgivable. But it's nice that we actually get some context for it, you know? I would say it makes it a little bit more forgivable simply because of despite his background, he's able to rise above it. I think there's some tone deafness there that, that kind of goes into the cultural context in which they introduced and how they introduced the character. But regardless, I think <laughs> with the introduction of his mom and his backstory, it, it, it does. It provides some some well need, needed structure. I'll say that. Yes. And I like the fact that he tried to hook his mom up uh, with the whole, you know, Ralph's Book of Love or what it was called, the Book of Ralph Love Edition. Yeah, the Book of Ralph Addendum for uh, moms who lie to their children about their dates. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and then she gave it back to him, Belle, and, and you know what that means. Well, she, well, Ralph put it back in her purse, though. Oh, did, did he really? I missed that part. But you know oh, what, yeah. but like, you know, contextually what's being communicated here. Uh, I, I, I'm context deaf in this situation, I suppose. Oh, serious? I guess you really don't know the character that much from the comics, do you? Uh, not really. Like, I know a little bit. All right, so Ralph uh, Dibney is very much beloved by fans, not just for who he is, but also for uh, his better half, for Sue Dibney. And Sue, so, okay. Yeah, so a lot of folks have been, ever since he popped on the scene, have been really looking forward to the introduction of her character and the impact that she will have on his life, even more so than... Barry and so I think the way that I saw it with the kind of like the the book of uh, the addendum finding lost love or whatever it was we're going to get uh, hate tweets for not remembering correctly so I do apologize on that but uh, but no that uh, I, I think I think that that was kind of thematically or, or at least kind of a nod to the fact that we will see Sue in the nearer future assuming Which- that we have a future. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which I think is good because I uh, the little bit that I know, you know, Sue uh, is kind of like his rock, similar to how Iris is Barry's rock. Yeah. Um, from from what I understand. And so it would not have made sense to introduce Sue uh, during uh, the thinker uh, storyline mm-hmm. when Ralph was like, you know, douchebag, crummy Ralph. Um, so it's nice to see, you know, he's had some emotional growth. He is an enjoyable lovable character now yeah this is a this is a ralph that uh you know I, the pre route pre pre-flash ralph it would be too much of a project let's just yeah, say pre fly <laughs> <laughs> well no like sue would probably wind up being like you know uh, uh the, the the stripper with the heart of gold kind of thing maybe i don't know but uh now they they open that up to a more i don't know comics accurate sue maybe who knows but i i think it's it's, it's kind of cool that you know he's never really sh- expressed any sort of you know romantic interest in all of his uh in all these seasons because he's had so much trouble dealing with his own emotions and his mm. own uh fear you know problems there yeah no that that's like I said, this really getting getting a chance to meet Mama Dibney, getting kind of a look into his backstory. Not only does it help to kind of humanize him and round him out as a character, but it does. I think it does prepare us for some of his future storylines and uh, how we will potentially take those. Which now, I one think thing, will be fun. I like Ralph. More I like Ralph. Ralph a lot, too, man. I really do. I, I I love where they've taken his character. And I'll tell you something, man. I really love his dynamic that he has with Cecile. Uh, we've seen this <laughs> a couple of times on the show. But they they are just a fun, like, odd couple whenever they go out and do their little side missions. Uh, and, and not, I mean, not in the least, re- like, there's a lot of reasons why they play off of each other so well. 
But I mean, we are talking about the tallest dude on the show and like the shortest, shortest woman on the show. Like they're like <laughs> polar opposites. Uh, I, I love how height. Cecile, when they're at the uh, the casino place, the casino front, and she's like, uh, down here, yeah, you know. Excuse me, down here. I was like, yes, yeah, Cecile, that's right. <laughs> Us five fives got to stick together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um and so, okay, I had I, the question that I had about Cecile for this week is, did she go through with her plan and is she now a metahuman defense attorney? Or yeah, they said was that. She, did, but did she do it? Like, was, was she in the room as the prosecutor for no, they Ralph's said, mom? They said DA. That's district attorney. That's, oh. that's prosecutor. That's like the chief prosecutor. I thought that's defense attorney. <laughs> I don't know the law. <laughs> No, when you say a DA, like you, you mean a district attorney. Okay, well then, yes, then I, maybe she hasn't done it yet. <laughs> well, so that's why I was kind of confused as to why she was in there trying to like get Ralph's mom off the hook. And then when the guy was trying to extort them for money for the security cameras, I'm like, isn't that obstruction? Well, I guess they didn't have a warrant to go in there yet to get it, but... I mean, they were they were kind of, you know, I mean, didn't he even like like sign off saying, you know, keep doing terrible things or, you know... Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for breaking the law. Uh, no, I mean, but it worked. It, it yeah, worked. I mean they they got they got the information they needed. Yeah. So. And it is also kind of nice to see, you know, Ralph uh, yeah, you know, as as more, you know, he's not a fully righteous character. He's a he's willing to um play a little bit on the wild side and Cecile's willing to well, go with so, him. So is Cecile. Yeah, yeah, I'm about to say she's sitting there like she's in this den of iniquity where they're like doing illegal gambling and she's all cool with it cuz she's helping uh, Ralph's mom cheat. <laughs> Man, Cecile's got a story. Like I, you know, for, for one thing, does. where's Cecile's kids? Doesn't she have uh, a daughter? They, the the baby sleeps twenty three hours out of the day. Not even that one. The older one. Oh oh oh! I know we got a sister out here somewhere that we like haven't seen in a while. A half sister. Uh. I guess that's an adopted sister. Wait, what is it when you? So it, if what's the Brady Bunch relationship there? Oh, they're, still, they're stepsisters. Stepsister. Thank you. All right. So we got a stepsister out here. We've got the baby that's been mentioned a couple of times. Um, and so oh, like, man, I completely forgot about that. The baby. I'm not as, as much of a, you know, it is, it is, it is interesting that it's very clear. They didn't necessarily have immediate plans for that child. It seemed like that child might, you know, be a supervillain from the future, but apparently that's <laughs> not the case. Um, that being said, man, who knows with, um, with some of the stuff we're going to be talking about with uh, the new series post crisis and that sort of thing, it's, it's possible that maybe that baby will come into play in a massive way in the, uh, in, in the future. But, um, no, I meant, I meant from, uh, from, from her previous marriage. Uh, I, I thought, um, we just, we hadn't seen her in a minute, but anyway, I just, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, the, the, the chat, uh, JT and Sophia in the chat are saying that uh, she's in college. Okay. Well, she can come back for a visit. I don't know. I no. just don't. I mean, I, I, okay. So if, if I didn't like, if I, if I got the opportunity to go out, out of state to college and, uh, I would take that in a heartbeat. Do you, do you see all the stuff that happens in central city? There's black holes. <laughs> there's, you know, like, like collider explosions and like meta humans everywhere. No, nah, I ain't going there. I just would hate for like her family to be like the cousin Ollie or whatever that kid was from the Brady bunch who like went up. Oh, the one who went upstairs and like never came down. Exactly. Yeah. I would just, I'd hate for that to be the case. I've, I have a feeling that both like, you know, her daughter and the, the new child are going to end up being like that. But uh, no, anyway. So, yeah, yeah, man, they make a they make a, a fun team, which is uh, which is great. Uh, speaking of fun teams, Iris and Cisco, uh, due to the intrepid nature of the MetaHuman internship program, have learned that there's a Harrison Wells on the on the loose bell. 
Uh, there is, and uh, a very interesting Harrison Wells at that. Yeah, man, Harrison uh, Wells of Earth un, un, unaffiliated, unclaimed uh, of Earth uncharted. Unch- oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good, man. It was yeah. like it was like Nathan Drake meets Indiana Jones meets uh, Tom Cavanaugh. Yeah, but like with technology, Tom Tech. Navina. Uh, uh, yeah. And of course, uh, Harrison, I love that the kind of immediate reaction is, oh, it's just another one. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're not like, oh, it's Harry. No, 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 it's not Harry. It's just yeah, it's, I, I'm surprised that Cisco didn't drop. Like, I was wondering when one of you was going to show up. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, right. It's almost been a year. Where where have you been? We've been waiting on you. Uh, <laughs> but no, of course, we do have a, uh, a Harrison Wells, uh, an Indiana Wells, if you will, who has come to this earth in search of... Um, uh, Eternium, man. And so, uh, and so, you know, one way or the other, Iris and Cisco kind of quickly figure out, of course, he's from a different earth. He's got some cool tech gadgets. He's got some magic-y looking stuff with glowing crystals. Uh, Cisco hits him with the whole, yeah, 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 this is what we always do. And we don't like each other, but then we do like each other. And, you know, he's just <laughs> poor Cisco, like his best, one of his strongest relationships is with like this constant doppelganger who, uh, who he has to relive the the awkward nature of their relationship over and over and over again and by the time it's solid they're gone and, and in many cases like forever yeah it, it's it's uh it's kind of like in live die repeat or also known as mm. edge of tomorrow yeah where uh tom cruise you know keeps meeting emily blunt's character and he's like look we, we've had this conversation like 400 times uh <laughs> it's like cisco's like look i've met a wells you know seven different times and uh it's it's uh we're gonna be friends. It's, it's cool. funny though because he tries to flex on him, right? He's like, we know the uh, the council of wells. And he's like, oh, those those idiots. idiots. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah. So, so this maybe is this a, is the one true wells because uh, the Bell- Rick and Rick and Morty hates the council of Ricks. I I you know who else hates the council of wells? Who's that? The most wells of all the wells and the wells of all wells is not here anymore because he died and. We're not going to talk about that right now because they, they. So they, Harry, you they, think they, Harry? They, Harry think was Harry, the most Wells as Wells. Yeah, Harry was the hairiest Harry. Yeah, I can second that. I think I think that's uh, I think that's fair to say. I think for us he was, but anyway. Well, so far, yeah, like he he will always be my my Harry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rest in peace, and pieces. Rip. Yeah. Anyway, so Wells, he's on our Earth. He's looking around. Iris and Cisco uh, find him, try to babysit him. He gets away. But ultimately, he is on the prowl, man. He is looking for something. And that's going to bring us to this week's The Road to Crisis. Yeah, man. Road to Crisis. Uh, Harrison Wells. What is he looking for? Eternium. Now, that sounds like a made up word. And you know what? It is. But not for this. It's a made up word from the comics. Bell, do you know what Eternium is? That is the stuff that turns, um, um, oh crap. I can't remember his name. What's up? the guy that the, the uh, 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 Adam attorney, it turns him into He-Man, right? Oh, <laughs> no. Wasn't that something different? Uh, you're talking about, uh, uh, castle power gray school and okay. You know what? It actually does sound very He-Man esque. So I'll give that one to you. It's very, very possible, but no, uh, <laughs> He-Man not actually in DC Comics. No, this is actually associated with a different uh, powerful individual. Uh, these are actually fragments of the Rock of Eternity. Now, Ooh. Bell, do you know what the Rock of Eternity is? 
Uh, well, that is when The Rock has absorbed all other like action stars in Hollywood and has become <laughs> the uh, biggest and most greatest action hero ever, and so he becomes The Rock of Eternity. No, no it, it's it's um. Uh, you know what? Actually, you're not you're 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 not as Black far Adam, off right? as you yeah, think you're. Yeah. yeah, that's right, because of the Black Adam connection. No, uh, The Rock of Eternity. This is actually the the home of the wizard Shazam. Uh, it's what we saw in the movie where the seven deadly sins were all kept in like the yeah the the, the council chairs with all the other wizards and and uh, yes. it's been in Injustice Two. Uh, there's a really really cool actually uh, layer in, in uh, the Rock of Eternity and Injustice Two. Exactly. So that's the thing, man. Rock of Eternity, uh, Eternity, Eternium. Um, you know, this kind of all beckons to that realm. Now, whether or not this is actually that uh, has yet to be seen, but I think that one thing that thematically will probably make sense with the crisis whether or not it's going to be tied to the wizard shazam who knows but in the comics the rock of eternity is said to contain pieces of both heaven and hell it's like this blending of good and evil thus you have you know the wizards uh seating and kind of their their just power but then you do also have the imprisoned uh, seven deadly sins as you mentioned so i think this idea of a clashing or a coming together of good and evil probably has to do narratively with what they're doing here with Eternium. Um, now, we don't know yet. We know that Harrison Wells is looking, and we know that other characters are looking for other items that are probably going to relate to the crisis as well. Now, first off, we got to talk about a couple of, uh, of rumors that have been going around. So, by the way, this is the point in time which, if you are trying to remain spoiler-free from, uh, from Crisis, uh, we would say, you know, maybe check us out next week. Now, that being said, I don't know that we necessarily have anything too terribly spoilery. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened in Arrow. Uh, there have been some clarifications that I think are probably not necessarily that spoilery, but I want to put fair warning out there just in case you're one of those folks. Can I say one thing quick about Harrison Wells? Before Absolutely. We Absolutely. So I don't know if this is me being paranoid or like my brain, you know, running wild with speculation, but uh, did anyone else notice the two red glowing lights that were behind Harrison Wells uh, in the shot where, you know, he, he's open, he opens up the sewer grate, he's looking down the sewer grate, you look behind him into the sky and there's two red lights. Did anybody else see that? I missed that. I mean, I know he had his, um, his little glowy rock thing. No, no, no. I mean, they, these were like in the sky above him. They were at a distance. It was two glowing red lights. And huh. I, I want to mention that because I, I don't know if it's just me, you know, again, just thinking too deeply into things. Or, but like, are we seeing the beginning of crisis here on Earth Prime already? Interesting. No, I totally missed that, man. But uh, it's possible. I mean, we're not that far off. It is a couple of weeks. And even though we didn't get that kind of, or at least anything too noticeable over when we saw Earth 2 before it was destroyed, um, it, it could very well be. Uh, especially given that, okay, this is something that I thought about after kind of re-reviewing uh, Jay Garrick's map. If you look at his layout of the multiverse, you have that, the, the Earths that are on the outer rim seem to be the ones that are the most in danger of being eradicated at the moment. Well, they're close to the horizon, of course. Yeah. Well, makes so perfect sense. Earth 2, of course, being kind of marked out in that map, indicating, you know, we didn't realize it at the time, but we realized it shortly thereafter that it was about to be destroyed on Arrow. Um, they took it away. And if you go back, though, and look at the map, in the very dead center are two Earths. There's Earth 1 and there's Earth 3. So it's very possible that these two Earths are going to be kind of the final battleground if we're going to see that antimatter wave get closer and closer and closer into the center. 
That being the case, if it is true, means that I doubt we'll see too much of like, you know, physical indications that it's coming until, you know, other worlds are kind of confirmed to be destroyed. Interesting. I could be wrong on that. But I'm just I have a, a really weird, like, scientific explanation of what could actually cause the multiverse to, like, rip apart, but I'm not going to get into that. Uh, I mean, it's the anti, like, this is not comics. This is OMG science. <laughs> no, no, this, this is like, this is, well, so, you know, they, they, there's multiverse theories that they have uh, sure. in, in physics and stuff like that. And, and uh, uh, one of them involved these just giant, um, uh, membranes basically like, like, like sheets, right. When those two sheets hit each other and interact, like, you know, you know, uh, so, so imagine you had like two transparent sheets and that they could pass through one another when they pass through one another, like, it, uh, if they were, if they weren't like a uniform shape, like if they had wrinkles in them okay, and they pass through one another, um, the, when they pass through one another, there, there'd, there'd be a space in between that. Right. Right. Uh, so in that space, when they hit and when they pass through one another, the space that's created in between that would be considered a new universe. Like that's, that's the big bang for that universe. So if you have, you have these two giant sheets, these okay. brains, they you. call them, uh, and they have multiple like bumps and ridges mm-hmm. in them as they hit, it would make multiple universes. Right. Okay. Um, that's, that's part of one of those theories. But, uh, if you then reverse that movement and pull them apart, then, then, you know, the, 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 the sheets pull apart and the universe is then be destroyed. I don't know. It's just kind of like a, a, a quick throwaway kind of like pseudosciencey theory that. No, I mean I, I'm I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> I, I was able to follow that, and if it's I was, it's the anti monitor who's pulling the sheets apart. Okay. Oh. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we did actually get some information on that front, but first, again, back to kind of some uh, what we know, what we don't know. So we don't necessarily have anything to add to the rumor mill this time around, but we do have some clarification on some pseudo confirmed content. Uh, for one thing, last week we talked about the rumor that Lucifer would appear in the midst of the crisis. Now, the actor Tom Ellis has since come out and said, uh, this is a quote here, said, right, okay, see, this is what happens. I go to Vancouver for a weekend to visit my friend for his birthday, and now suddenly I'm in a different show. Uh, this is what Ellis told to uh, E.T. specifically. Um, he also added when it came to the crisis, it would be a hard pass. Did so, I not explicitly state that? Um, I want to say that I said he's probably in Vancouver visiting a friend and just went on the set. Yeah, no, I mean, that that uh, that appears to be the case. Now, I, I still kind of, um, you know, I think last time I said it was a 75% chance that it's true because he was seen on set. Now that we've got a little bit more clarification, I'm going to drop that down to 20% because at the same time, man, you know, it could be a cover-up. Now, I doubt it because why on earth well, they're not covering <laughs> anything else up? Let me, let, me, let me put the tinfoil hat on right quick. Yeah, that's like something somebody would say if, if their appearance on the show is supposed to be a surprise, you know. I but mean, yeah, no, I, I I totally thought from the beginning that like, yeah, if if he's here, he's probably visiting somebody on set. And like, right. you know, their actors are going to be allowed on set. They know how to behave on set and things like that. So it's not going to be a big deal. Yeah. Um, so he's so, he's uh, he's he's likely not going to be in it. So uh, so that that has been uh, somewhat uh, clarified and confirmed since then. Uh, you know, Bell, we've been speculating in our road to crisis about this new series that the, uh, the CW will have as Arrow closes out. And we've. You know, thought like, well, who knows? Maybe it's going to be a Kingdom Come esque Earth, or or maybe it could be, you know, something uh, something entirely different that you know we hadn't even thought of. And it turns out that the new series that will be coming to the CW following Arrow will be called Green Arrow and the Canaries, which is uh, a spinoff that's going to springboard off the back end of Arrow. 
uh, specifically the season that is running right now. And it's going to follow Arrow's daughter, or rather Oliver's daughter, Maya Smoke, as she takes on the mantle of Green Arrow with help of the Canaries. Now, Bell, this is where it comes back, like the kids come back into play. Because her whole arc takes place in the future, right? How is she How is she in the past then? No, no, she's not in the past. That's what I'm saying. So, like, the way they've been doing Arrow, and again, I've not been watching Arrow, but I have been watching this season because of everything that's going on. And I think it's great. They're doing, like, you know, kind of classic Arrow stuff, bringing in some... He's going to different locations for the monitor, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but it's it's kind of giving him an excuse to revisit some old storylines and some old characters. But while we're getting the Oliver storyline, instead of flashing back as they did kind of early on in the season, they're flashing forward to the future, specifically of his daughter and his daughter's team. So they've been kind of working the storyline for some time in the Arrow series, and now it looks like that is going to be the main show going forward uh, that's that's going to follow the close of Arrow, which, Bell, I, I think is actually kind of exciting because that means we will have unlike legends which kind of exists outside of time we're going to have a show taking place in the future which means we can use a lot of the characters in the present in a more older state specifically uh for example joe and cecile's kid that could like this this child could easily show up in uh arrow and the canaries barry could actually easily do a crossover episode by jumping to the future and teaming up with maya you know what i mean yeah but the show name sounds kind of like a 70s psych- psychedelic rock band. I mean, you know, <laughs> Green Arrow and the Canaries. Kind yeah, of I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, would be, that would be interesting. Like um, future shows. Hmm. I like it. Because, yeah, Legends, Legends deals with a lot of future stuff. And what year in the future? Because we've seen Arrow in the future before already. Right. right. Well, so he's here, except this is a different timeline because that timeline that they went to um, as well with Connor uh, was changed after the events of Legends. And so it didn't exist anymore because that was the whole deal. Remember, it was like a post-apocalyptic. Uh, you had your boys, uh, Heat, Heat Wave and Captain Cold. They were like, oh, let's just stay in the future because it's awesome. And then they changed some stuff. And so that essential portion of the timeline no longer exists. And so that green arrow is no longer green arrow. Uh, but he, as I understand it, and I, I could be wrong, I think they're the same character. They, they've got the same name. They're both in the future. But Connor is on, uh, is is part of this future. He's just not the green arrow in the future anymore. Well, yeah. And, and also the, at the end of this season in Legends, um, uh, we had a change in the future where there's this totalitarian, like metahuman kind of, uh, uh, or anti-metahuman regime, I should say, that, mm. that, that crops up that they end up defeating. Well, uh, but again, not, not defeating, but like preventing from happening. I kind of feel like Legends, the way that it, its timeline is structured, is it's like it's revolving around the actual timeline, and so they're. It's almost as if their mission exists to keep all all of their like everything. It's almost like they've, they've created a barrier around the main timeline, right? And so the legends exist to defend the main timeline, which means all of these changes to time, if you're talking about your little wave type situation, those waves are never actually touching our time because the legends keep on succeeding, right? Yeah, and, and I guess maybe that's why they did that is because, uh, uh, oh my gosh. Oh, don't, don't mess up a, a legends character. That's, that, that's your bread and butter. 
I know. How am I? How am I? Ari? Oh, yes. Man. So next this season on Legends TV Talk, I will be replacing Belle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like like she's from a future where uh, like her brother uh, was uh, had this you know the the, the wind medallion or whatever the wind charm, and uh, he was taken by this regime, and that's why she has it. That's why she's a legend. But like at the end of the season, uh, due to the things that happened, that that future never happens. And I think that's the oh. same future where Connor Hawk uh, comes in to be the Green Arrow. Gotcha. So that kind of rolls in with 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 that right so that that makes sense and so she is no longer she's on out Legends of the because she wrote herself out of history yes yeah. um that works wait but she didn't disappear when that happened right no like, she disappeared well she 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 was replaced with her brother because the, what happened is is because she was holding the totem when they went to go find her that's why she became a legend but if her brother was never taken away by this regime she never would have gotten the totem she never would have been a legend so basically what happens is is she is just replaced by her brother in that timeline and everybody immediately is like oh yeah it's always been her brother oh interesting okay but, so so yeah. let me, but she's from a point in time that was already part of a fringe timeline yeah, she she is from the future, the, okay. the yeah, future that, that is supposed to happen, like the the Connor Hawk whatever. All right, future. that works. No, that works. Okay, that, yeah, it that, does. It does. It does because they fixed that timeline. They fixed that future, which okay. which I guess had been done before as well, like with with Connor Hawk's future not being happening. Yeah. So anyway, one way or the other, I'm excited to see where that series goes. I'm excited for the concept of a show that exists in the future, which gives Barry specifically an opportunity. Uh, to cross over with and theoretically legends as well. Although, like I said, it does seem like any kind of uh, meddling with the time exists on, on like timelines trying to break into the actual timeline. And the only time that the legends really come into play is when they rejoin the present of the actual timeline. Um, so we'll see how it all goes. Uh, Bell this week on arrow, I, I did watch uh, not a whole lot to mention here in terms of like, you know, nothing to the the gravity of last week. But we did see that Laurel from Earth 2 is wrestling with the reality that her Earth has been completely wiped out. Uh, she can't accept it at first. She tries to get the portal um, uh, opener fixed, but uh, it's discovered that there is nothing there, that Earth 2 has been completely obliterated. It is almost as if it was uh, just kind of like a deleted space in the multiverse. And um, yeah, so Earth 2 confirmed uh, it, it's gone. It's gone. They took it away. And I got to tell you, Belle, as much as I was, you know, like moved, let's just say that last week, it's 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 a dang good move on the part of the the uh, creators here, because Earth, killing Earth Two really brings some stakes into the crisis that that I don't think I really fully realized until I had a couple days to process everything. Because think about it, if Earth 2 can be taken away, if, if what happens when the antimatter wave hits an Earth, then like all these Earths, all these people that would have been like, oh, yay, Tom Welling showing up and oh, man, 66 Batman and oh, yay, future Batman. Like we've been so excited for all these characters popping up. No, man, like this, just the opposite. This, they, they, they're all about to die, possibly. Like if their cameo was to just be chilling and then an antimatter wave comes out and then takes them out, like the stakes are real. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious if like all of these cameos are just like them looking up at the sky going, ah, well, shucks. And then they just get like blown away. Because like some of these, I'm like, you know, birds of prey, you know, shoot, the antimatter wave hit that years ago and it didn't even get a full season. So it, as great as that show was and, and um, you know, for, for the time and everything, 
if, if an antimatter wave kind of closes the, the book, so to speak, on a book that was already closed, who cares? But like Smallville <laughs> or like 66 Batman, you know, that's 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 beloved. That's treasured. That is, uh, you know, those are those are on the pedestal of comic book media content, you know? Yeah, I don't think they see that's the thing is like there, there are some of those that are protected, right? Like you can't destroy 66 Batman. I, I, I don't I don't think that I don't think they would intend to do that. Like, I think there. Yes, some of these things we will be seeing get destroyed. Um, I, I still really hope that John Wesley Ship's Flash uh, is is the one that saves everything. And like it just brings a, an, an end to his show and to the you know, legacy. Well, of that that's character the thing. I thought about this, too. Bell. His Earth is actually already toast. Remember? Oh, it was destroyed. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but like, he came back to help Flash. Maybe he's still around. Maybe he's able to like come out of uh, of the Speed Force and like. Well, that's why you know. I think that Barry, like, like so '90s uh, Earth '90 Barry Allen. Like again, I mean, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I mean, like the the reality is, is if his Earth is already destroyed anyway, which it sounds like it was during Elseworlds, uh, and he is the last sole survivor, then then it's it's beautiful, right? Because like technically, he's he's literally got nothing left to live for, so he's giving what he has left to save. I guess a portion of the multiverse or, or even just just earth one. I don't know. I don't know, bell like, or, or, or will it be, huh? Well, see, that's another, that's one thing that we don't know yet. Right. We don't know. Barry said he looked at all the possible futures and the only one where did he, did he specifically say the only one where only everybody one. lived or the only one where everyone earth on one. earth one lived and where earth one lived. He's talking, he's talking about earth one. So this is why I think that like, I think in order for Earth One to live and everything else dies, then yes, his Barry Allen has to die. But I think that if we have another Flash take the pull, then that's perhaps why, you know, why it doesn't have to be just his Earth. But I don't know, man. We've talked about how some Earths will merge together. We've seen that Supergirl's Earth and Jay's Earth are pretty close to Earth One. So the idea of those merging together make, makes a lot of sense. Like that cleans up the timeline, so to speak. Um, be great also if uh you know black lightning if his earth can can you know blend in as well and so if we we had kind of our core main current running series all taking place on the same earth that would be really nice but i really am starting to get a little worried about you know kevin conroy and tom welling and burt ward and yeah. like again characters who you know like i like even like killing harry and jesse man that that ain't nothing you know what i mean that is something yeah, right there yeah and so like if you're willing to do that i don't know man maybe they might be willing to kill kevin conroy tom welling and burt ward i i don't know i don't know but i'm nervous in a way that i wasn't nervous before oh man that would be that would be brutal and huge and yep. very bold of them to do that uh, alicia's mentioning in the chat that uh harry and jesse could have left um before the earth was destroyed and you know i i have a feeling at some point that you're you're exactly right that we'll see them you know they popped off the earth and we might get a flashback to them in their office or something of that nature and uh either jesse grabs them or or he opens up a portal or something of that nature and perhaps they have their own event, you know, thing. But at the same time, I think it's better for us as an audience to presume them dead because no, like everybody else would theoretically presume them dead. And again, it adds to the weight of what's going on, um, in a in a in a pretty pretty major way. So yeah, crisis is coming, and uh, and and it's it looks like the stakes could very well be real. Bell, something else on Arrow. 
um, you know, as I mentioned, Oliver is going around, we, you know, the, the deal that he made with the monitor. I know a lot of us at the time presumed that he would be the one to die. Uh, since then, we obviously have changed our theory on that. Um, and in this season of Arrow, it is more being kind of defined out that the deal that he made with the monitor has more to do with him being essentially like a little errand boy. So he's kind of sending Arrow around to collect specifically dwarf, dwarf star matter, hmm. um, which, of course, is very... Um, uh, very tied to one other character in particular, a character that we presume will probably die during the crisis. Adam. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, there, there could be something there. Why he wants Dwarf Star Matter, I couldn't tell you. Um, well, I mean, uh, Brandon Routh is leaving Legends and it's not, it wasn't his decision to leave. They're, they're killing him. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he, well, they're going to, re- I mean, he's going to be replaced with the new Adam, but, you know, one way or the other, the, from a, from a, comic book standpoint this 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 is tied to that character so i wonder if this is going to go into why adam dies narratively um you know the other aspect of this episode too that's relevant is it's implied that perhaps um perhaps the monitor might not be on the side of the angels hmm what are your thoughts on that well uh what is it? Is it just the monitor has beef with the anti-monitor and they're just kind of like their battlefield is the multiverse? And it's not necessarily like good or versus evil. It's just like, I don't like what you're doing. It's like, well, I don't like what you're doing. It's like, all right, well, I'm taking my toys and going home. It's like, well, I'm going to destroy your toys. Okay. Let me kind ask you like, this, Bell. How do we know that we've been dealing with the with the monitor? Uh, because they've sent pictures of the anti-monitor. But like face makeup holographic technology he's like he's like a godlike being how do we know he can't like change his appearance i'm not saying that he can't but like what so you think that that the monitor that we've seen is actually the anti-monitor just throwing it out there man i'm just throwing it out there what if- uh i don't think so like why would what, the whole else or the the whole uh um uh crossover last season with with him like trying to get the book to find somebody to save the multiverse why would he be doing that Maybe he doesn't want to save the multiverse. Maybe what he's getting collected is not to save the multiverse. What did what did he was the one that destroyed Earth ninety? Well, he he destroyed it because well he didn't destroy it, did it? Like it's, they couldn't save themselves with the book. That was what. I need to go back, man. I really need to go back and watch Elseworlds because actually I was thinking about a couple of things that come into play as, as relevant there. And there's also a lot of what happened with the crossover last time around, but because of the constant changing of timelines and earths, um, it's a little hard to pinpoint, okay, what was like real and what, or rather what was lasting and what's not lasting. Right? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case personally. I think, Maybe, yeah, the monitor isn't one of those who he's not necessarily good or evil, mm. but I think he has his, his vested interest isn't in the people in the earths of the multiverse. It's just in the multiverse. OK, All right, and maybe I, I feel like the anti monitor is kind of like one of those who's like, I don't care. So kind of a uh, what's the lawful neutral type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the anti monitor is. Maybe not even chaotic evil. Maybe he's could be lawful evil or chaotic evil. It could be. 
Either one. The the big thing that was, I think... Wait, I just said he wasn't. Hold on. Yeah, you uh, did say he wasn't. But I, mean, <laughs> I was going to allow it to you, man. I thought maybe, you were going to reverse Maybe chaotic it. neutral. I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things where it's... Mm. Um, I feel like the, the, when, when you have godlike beings, it's really hard to sort of extrapolate their motives. Sure. And this is very true. Um, but all right, all right. I just want to throw it out there that it was a possibility that maybe, maybe Bell... We, we're not dealing with the monitor. Maybe we're dealing with any monitor. But, but um, here's the thing. The biggest uh, kind of, I guess, shoe drop moment was the, the revelation that uh, since the beginning, it would seem, Lila uh, has actually been working with the monitor. Uh, and not, you know, as we kind of presumed or a lot of people assumed when we saw the imagery of her dressed up as Harbinger, uh, we thought maybe this is a, a Lila of a different Earth. Nope. This is actually the Lila of Earth One. The Lila that we've known that's been working with Argus this entire time has also secretly behind the scenes, Retcon, been working with the anti-monitor. Or rather with the monitor. So there you go. Now, the argument I think I've seen on Twitter is that this is to kind of confirm that they've had crisis on the mind since the beginning. And I do think that that is true. I think to an extent that's true. I don't think they've ever written this character to be a harbinger until now, but I do think that they, there was kind of a just in case, you know, how cool would it be? Let's, let's, let's have a, let's have Lila at the ready or something of that nature, but no man, she, this, this, uh, she will be our harbinger for the crisis. So, um, yeah, not a, not a Lila of an earth of another earth, but in fact, um, Lila of earth one, Will be the harbinger. Yep. Um, well, that's neat. I, I know. I know. I, I like that. Uh, I don't think that the Harrison Wells that um, Pariah. Well, so I don't think that that this Harrison Wells that we saw this episode of The Flash is going to also be Pariah. No, it's going to be Harry. <gasps> Dude, shut up. No. Dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just let you stew on that. Yeah, man. <laughs> you get him back, but he's going to be prior. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I doubt that. No, you know, you, you know who it's going to be? Jesse Quick. Eobard Thawne. Uh, all yeah. right. <laughs> so no, it's go. Jesse Quick who uses Eobard Thawne tech to steal Harry's face yeah. and then becomes pariah. And then it can become, he becomes Barry from the future. No, it's Eobard steals Jesse Quick's body and then steals Harry's body. And to then become they become the Black Flash. And, and then, then they do the fusion dance with Black Adam, the rock, to and become they, the rock of eternity. And then and then the rock of eternity becomes Nora West Allen. There we go. If that, you know what? If that's true. We deserve, I'll eat my hat. Well, I was going to say somebody should like give us a, a medal or something for most craziest speculation. <laughs> but somewhere knows? there's a CW executive going, they know, kill them. <laughs> it's gold, Jerry. Do it. Uh, all right. So here we go. That's going to do it for our uh, road to crisis this week. Um, but yeah, there you go. Speculate wildly. We love doing that here and we'd love to see what y'all's thoughts are as well. Hey guys, this is Chad Rogan. and you are listening to Flash TV Talk. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. All right, man, listener feedback this week. Uh, you know, we got a shout out on Reddit. So thank you oh, to cool. uh, Detective Riggs Boson, who said, uh, no joke, Flash TV Talk is a fun Flash podcast. In and out, a quick 45-minute Rick and Morty adventure. <laughs> so, I like that name, by the way. It's Detective Riggs plus a boson, like the Higgs boson. Oh, it's like, okay. you know, Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon, but... 
a fundamental particle. Interesting. Impressive, <laughs> OMG science. Uh, but yeah, so thanks for that shout out on Reddit. Yeah, absolutely. We also got on uh, iTunes, man. Uh, I tell you what, let's do this. iTunes UK from Jake KS. He says, brilliant in a UK sounding voice. Uh, brilliant podcast. Prefer it to uh, the show some weeks. These guys give detailed analysis with an excellent depth of knowledge of the comics with the side of wit and banter. Uh, keep up the great work, guys. And again, that is Jake KS over in the UK, across the pond, as it were. Mm. Yes, mm. Jake, mm, you, sh- you should come <laughs> get a, get a, hop hop a, hop the pond, brother. Come come to the uh, the live. Come uh, to the house party. Come yeah. to the live house party. It'll be amazing. This house is bitching. It is. It will be, and it will be in Austin. So if you can't make it. That's cool. But if you can make it, if you're in the Austin area, we'd love to party down with you guys. Uh, December 10th is going to be the time, uh, the place for the uh, the mid-season finale. Uh, join us. We will, uh, I think the door opens at 6. We will uh, have the, uh, the show going at 7. We will all watch it. And then almost immediately after the show, we will go live with the podcast. Uh, those of you who are there will be able to sit down and enjoy our beautiful mugs uh, as we we talk it out, and then we'll hopefully also have it uh, stream it on Facebook for those who can't actually be in attendance. And uh, who knows? It might just be us two in a in the house alone. <laughs> well, no, my 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 buddy KK Legends on the Discord. Hey, uh, he lives in Austin. So All right. Le- 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 and I mean, I might bring my fiance. I don't know. Oh, that would be amazing. Can we get her on mic? <laughs> uh, it's a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Well, maybe not. She doesn't get off work until like yes, we're throwing a house party in Austin on a Tuesday in December. Nobody's going to come, but it'll be great. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so much fun. I don't care. I'm, we're going to order so much pizza and I'm just going to eat it all. It's going to go to waste. You can't have it go to waste. And then like you're going to have like you're going to play taps at the beginning of the of next week's episode as you declare me dead. Yeah. Well, it'll be great. It'll be the great way to kick off Grandma Esther's eggnog into his Christmas calling. We have an announcement here at the beginning of Flash TV Talk. Bell <laughs> our, our our weekly cock, uh, or our monthly or yearly call-in show. Uh Bell has died. He yeah. ate too much pizza at our house party and well, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it'll it'll go down something like that. But um no man, you know, it'll we be should fun. Get Franklin uh franklin Dude, uh franklin barbecue to 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 uh Ooh, you want to do that instead we never we never specified what food we said there will be food so we could do uh if you've got like like the hookup if you know the best place in austin to get grub from i say we do it i mean there there's a bunch of good places to get some barbecue there's yeah. a bunch i mean like i mean thai food like you know this oh, place man. we're going is so nice too like it's got it's got a cool like yard and and everything it's gonna be we're gonna be like balling out man if it's just the two of us it's gonna be <laughs> now you did ask the guy and tell him hey we're doing a tv watch i party, did i did i explained the whole thing it's fine it's fine it's fine he's like what's flash tv talk it, yeah <laughs> or like really i listen to you guys how great would that be if he was a listener that would be amazing actually next time that we do a house party we should see if somebody wants to host us let's see how bad we tear up this place first but anyway join us it's going to be fun uh you can get tickets if you go to uh, tvtalk.fm or flash tvtalk.com uh, you'll see the banner just click it it'll have all the details and information we'd love to uh, meet you in person and have fun and watch tv together and then talk about it together and then go live together and all that kind of great stuff with potentially some of the greatest food in Austin and definitely the greatest company if Bell's going to be there and especially yeah. if his fiance is going to be there. So that'll be, that'll be fun. But anyway, join us there. Uh, you can also keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us on the Twitters at Flash TV Talk. You can also follow our personal accounts at Ring That Bell is Bell and at The Real Bo York is me. 
But if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. And for the latest news and daily discussions on all things Flash, be sure to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. Yeah, and special thanks as always to Charlie Bach who provides music for our podcast. You can listen to the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. We are a proud member of the TV Talk Network at tvtalk.fm is the place to go for all your TV talking needs. And yes, we may be closing out the show, but don't worry, we'll be back in a flash. That was kind of better. Although Mike can like splice us over maybe. And I don't well, know. He did that last time. And uh, I think, I think he wasn't, wasn't very satisfied with how it turned out. And I told him, you know, let's, let's give it another go. But um, anyway, so we yes, need a, we need, we need a bouncing ball on the screen to like <laughs> tell us when to switch that'd syllables. Be, yeah. That, that'd be good. You know what? When we're, <laughs> the funny thing is by the time we're actually in the same place, we won't be able to like, it won't matter anymore because crisis will have happened at that point. <laughs> We'll just go, crisis! <laughs> <laughs> the aftermath of crisis! Or right. the current math. Ooh. The, yeah, the, the, the math. Yeah. What is the... Bef- so you have an aftermath. Yep. What is the before and current math? You, uh, uh, addition. No, that's... that's Sub- subtraction. Maths. Multiplication. <laughs> Equals. That would be present. One is equal to one. That's present. One is equal to two is future. I I don't know. Two is equal to one is, is past. Math. Time uh, travel. Leave anything sciencey <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, so check that out there. And then don't worry, because we'll be back. It's <laughs> a terrible transition. <laughs> don't worry. Um. Oh, uh, what am I supposed to say? No, no, no. Mike, Mike. Uh, let me, let me, let me take that again. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.